Chapter Sixteen of an Essay on Crimes and Punishments by Cesare Beccaria, translated by Edward Duncan Ingram. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Sixteen of Torture. The torture of a criminal during the course of his trial is a cruelty consecrated by custom in most nations it is used with an intent either to make him confess his crime or to explain some contradictions into which he had been led during his examination or discover his accomplices or for some kind of metaphysical and incomprehensible purgation of infamy or finally in order to discover other crimes of which he is not accused but of which he may be guilty no man can be judged a criminal until he be found guilty nor can society take from him the public protection until it have been found that he has violated the conditions on which it was granted what right then but that of power can authorize the punishment of a citizen so long as there remains any doubt of his guilt the dilemma is frequent either he is guilty or not guilty if guilty he should only suffer the punishment ordained by the laws and torture becomes useless as his confession is unnecessary if he be not guilty you torture the innocent for in the eye of the law every man is innocent whose crime has not been proved besides it is confounding all relations to expect that a man should be both the accuser and accused and that pain should be the test of truth as if truth resided in the muscles and fibres of a wretch in torture by this method the robust will escape and the feeble be condemned these are the inconveniencies of this pretended test of truth worthy only of a cannibal and which the romans in many respects barbarous and whose savage virtue has been too much admired reserved for the slaves alone what is the political intention of punishments to terrify and be an example to others is this intention answered by thus privately torturing the guilty and the innocent it is doubtless of importance that no crime should remain unpunished but it is useless to make a public example of the author of a crime hid in darkness a crime already committed and for which there can be no remedy can only be punished by a political society with an intention that no hopes of impunity should induce others to commit the same if it be true that the number of those who from fear or virtue respect the laws is greater than of those by whom they are violated the risk of torturing an innocent person is greater as there is a greater probability that ceteris paribus an individual has observed than that he has infringed the laws 
there is another ridiculous motive for torture namely to purge a man from infamy ought such an abuse to be tolerated in the eighteenth century can pain which is a sensation have any connection with a moral sentiment a matter of opinion perhaps the rack may be considered as the refiner's furnace it is not difficult to trace this senseless law to its origin for an absurdity adopted by a whole nation must have some affinity with other ideas established and respected by the same nation this custom seems to be the offspring of religion by which mankind in all nations and in all ages are so generally influenced we are taught by our infallible church that those stains of sin contracted through human frailty and which have not deserved the eternal anger of the almighty are to be purged away in another life by an incomprehensible fire now infamy is a stain and if the punishments and fire of purgatory can take away all spiritual stains why should not the pain of torture take away those of a civil nature i imagine that the confession of a criminal which in some tribunals is required as being essential to his condemnation has a similar origin and has been taken from the mysterious tribunal of penitence where the confession of sins is a necessary part of the sacrament thus have men abused the unerring light of revelation and in the times of traceable ignorance having no other they naturally had recourse to it on every occasion making the most remote and absurd applications moreover infamy is a sentiment regulated neither by the laws nor by reason but entirely by opinion but torture renders the victim infamous and therefore cannot take infamy away another intention of torture is to oblige the supposed criminal to reconcile the contradictions into which he may have fallen during his examination as if the dread of punishment the uncertainty of his fate the solemnity of the court the majesty of the judge and the ignorance of the accused were not abundantly sufficient to account for contradictions which are so common to men even in a state of tranquillity and which must necessarily be multiplied by the perturbation of the mind of a man entirely engaged in the thoughts of saving himself from imminent danger this infinite test of truth is a remaining monument of that ancient and savage legislation in which trials by fire by boiling water or the uncertainty of combats were called judgments of god as if the links of that eternal chain whose beginning is in the breast of the first cause of all things could ever be disunited by the institutions of men 
the only difference between torture and trials by fire and boiling water is that the event of the first depends on the will of the accused and of the second on a fact entirely physical and external but this difference is apparent only not real a man on the rack in the convulsions of torture has it as little in his power to declare the truth as in former times to prevent without fraud the effects of fire or boiling water every act of the will is invariably in proportion to the force of the impressions on our senses the impression of pain then may increase to such a degree that occupying the mind entirely it will compel the sufferer to use the shortest method of freeing himself from torment his answer therefore will be an effect as necessary as that of fire or boiling water and he will accuse himself of crimes of which he is innocent so that the very means employed to distinguish the innocent from the guilty will most effectually destroy all difference between them it would be superfluous to confirm these reflections by examples of innocent persons who from the agony of torture have confessed themselves guilty innumerable instances may be found in all nations and in every age how amazing that mankind have always neglected to draw the natural conclusion lives there a man who if he has carried his thoughts ever so little beyond the necessities of life when he reflects on such cruelty is not tempted to fly from society and return to his natural state of independence the result of torture then is a matter of calculation and depends on the constitution which differs in every individual and it is in proportion to his strength and sensibility so that to discover truth by this method is a problem which may be better solved by a mathematician than by a judge and may be thus stated the force of the muscles and the sensibility of the nerves of an innocent person being given it is required to find the degree of pain necessary to make him confess himself guilty of a given crime the examination of the accused is intended to find out the truth but if this be discovered with so much difficulty in the air gesture and countenance of a man at ease how can it appear in a countenance distorted by the convulsions of torture every violent action destroys those small alterations in the features which sometimes disclose the sentiments of the heart these truths were known to the roman legislators amongst whom as i have already observed slaves only who were not considered as citizens were tortured 
they are known to the english a nation in which the progress of science superiority in commerce riches and power its natural consequences together with the numerous examples of virtue and courage leave no doubt of the excellence of its laws they have been acknowledged in sweden where torture has been abolished they are known to one of the wisest monarchs in europe who having seated philosophy on the throne by his beneficent legislation has made his subjects free though dependent on the laws the only freedom that reasonable men can desire in the present state of things in short torture has not been thought necessary in the laws of armies composed chiefly of the dregs of mankind where its use should seem most necessary strange phenomenon that a set of men hardened by slaughter and familiar with blood should teach humanity to the sons of peace it appears also that these truths were known though imperfectly even to those by whom torture has been most frequently practised for a confession made during torture is null if it be not afterwards confirmed by an oath which if the criminal refuses he is tortured again some civilians and some nations permit this infamous petitio principi to be only three times repeated and others leave it to the discretion of the judge therefore of two men equally innocent or equally guilty the most robust and resolute will be acquitted and the weakest and most pusillanimous will be condemned in consequence of the following excellent mode of reasoning i the judge must find some one guilty thou who art a strong fellow hast been able to resist the force of torment therefore i acquit thee thou being weaker hast yielded to it i therefore condemn thee i am sensible that the confession which was extorted from thee has no weight but if thou dost not confirm by oath what thou hast already confessed i will have thee tormented again a very strange but necessary consequence of the use of torture is that the case of the innocent is worse than that of the guilty with regard to the first either he confesses the crime which he has not committed and is condemned or he is acquitted and has suffered a punishment he did not deserve on the contrary the person who is really guilty has the most favourable side of the question for if he supports the torture with firmness and resolution he is acquitted and has gained having exchanged a greater punishment for a less the law by which torture is authorized says men be insensible to pain nature has indeed given you an irresistible self-love 
and an unalienable right of self-preservation but i create in you a contrary sentiment a heroical hatred of yourselves i command you to accuse yourselves and to declare the truth amidst the tearing of your flesh and the dislocation of your bones torture is used to discover whether the criminal be guilty of other crimes besides those of which he is accused which is equivalent to the following reasoning thou art guilty of one crime therefore it is possible that thou mayest have committed a thousand others but the affair being doubtful i must try it by my criterion of truth the laws order thee to be tormented because thou art guilty because thou mayest be guilty and because i choose thou shouldst be guilty torches used to make the criminal discover his accomplices but if it has been demonstrated that it is not a proper means of discovering truth how can it serve to discover the accomplices which is one of the truths required will not the man who accuses himself yet more readily accuse others besides is it just to torment one man of the crime of another may not the accomplices be found out by the examination of the witnesses or of the criminal from the evidence or from the nature of the crime itself in short by all the means that have been used to prove the guilt of the prisoner the accomplices commonly fly when their comrade is taken the uncertainty of their fate condemns them to perpetual exile and frees society from the danger of further injury whilst the punishment of the criminal by deterring others answers the purpose for which it was ordained End of chapter sixteen